Thanks for listening to the Best of Coast to Coast podcast. Become a Coast Insider, and you can hear this complete conversation as well as recent shows featuring guests discussing new cases of the troubling cattle mutilation phenomenon, worrisome instances of clandestine CIA torture, and the evidence that the lost city of Atlantis may have really once existed. Check out these programs and many other fascinating episodes waiting for you in the Coast to Coast Archive by heading over to coasttocoastam.com and signing up for Coast Insider. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Johnny Enoch with us, a clinical hypnotherapist, lecturer, writer from Vancouver, British Columbia. As a matter of fact, he's one of the keynote speakers at the Architects of the New Paradigm on June 30th. And I'll tell you about that a little bit later on again. Now, not only has he been researching extraterrestrial phenomena and esoteric subjects for more than 20 years, but after witnessing a series of unexplainable events while growing up, his search for answers has led him on adventures all over the planet. He's a featured speaker on ancient mystery tours of Egypt, the Serpentine Mysteries Tour of Peru and Bolivia with Brian Forrester, and he's writing books on advanced civilizations one of them, The Cosmic Origins of Civilization. Johnny Enoch on Coast to Coast. Johnny, welcome to the program. Well, thanks for having me on. It's I'm, great to be here, George. I'm looking forward to this, and your work is amazing. What led you into this field? Well, thank you. Uh, my investigation into these very fascinating subjects started at an early age. I grew up with a lot of strange things happening around the house. And I guess one of the first, you know, memories I can I think of these is uh, my youngest sister, who's now in her 30s, she has no interest in the subjects that you and I are, are interested in or yeah. any of the Coast listeners who are, uh, you know, here listening into our conversation. She's more interested in what the Kardashians are doing in <laughs> Calabasas rather than, <laughs> rather than the paranormal. Well, she's haunted by a memory to this day from when we were growing up, that at 12 years old, she saw a gray extraterrestrial with the smooth gray skin, the large hairless head, and the classic black teardrop eyes mm-hmm. peering through her bedroom window. And so this was the, the sort of start of these experiences growing up. And then my mother, who's a very uh, religious person, who doesn't want to talk about these things so much, w- tells us to this day you guys were complaining that you had these little gray men coming into your bedrooms at night, and she herself relayed these sort of experiences. So on on top of that, growing up, I was having these intense out-of-body experiences, George, where I'd be, you know, floating above the bed and looking down at myself, or or sometimes just waking up, rushing up to a kaleidoscope of multifractal colors and leaving the body. But the problem is, is that I had nowhere to get answers because growing up in a religious house, you have a, a, like an information embargo. And so I like to joke that when other boys my age, they were hiding playboys under the bed, I was hiding, you know, all the occult books and crystals <laughs> under my bed. <laughs> if I wanted to see the playboys, I had to go to their I house. I think I was a nerd like you, Johnny. We did the same thing. I mean, I was into Edgar Casey books and UFO books and all, you know, Frank Edwards, uh, the journalist and all those books on uh, extraterrestrials, that's what uh, really got me turned on. <laughs> me, me too. I love that stuff. Love all of it. And so uh, I'm sure you can relate to this, that when you go down into the rabbit hole, it keeps getting 
weirder and weirder the deeper, deeper you go, and you can never really quench the thirst. So, you know, as I started going through life, I started digging deeper into the mysteries, using clinical hypnotherapy to, to bring in inter, interviews with contactees and started traveling around the rural world and, like, you know, crawling under the crypts of temples and looking at what the reliefs are saying. And I, I think that we just keep finding pieces of the cosmic puzzle everywhere we look. Is it safe to say, and this is in a good way, you have been obsessed with this? Absolutely. Absolutely obsessed. And I, I think we all are a little obsessed once we get a taste, you know? Yeah, we, we are. I mean, in, uh, you know, depending on whatever field people get into, uh, there's nothing wrong with jumping in with both feet and really digesting it. And that's what you've done. That's what I've done in this field as well. I mean, we just can't seem to get enough of it, can we? <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that. Okay, now, as your research unfolded. It took you into different places, in different areas. You went to Arecibo in Puerto Rico, uh, the incredible uh, radio telescope there. Um, You've looked at SETI and what they've done, search for extraterrestrial intelligence. Um, What's your thoughts on that, by the way? Because they're going to be funded again by NASA for the first time in years, Uh, yet there are some people who are very critical of SETI because uh, they don't think they should be listening uh, they think there's a different way. Well, absolutely. I, I kept hearing this question over and over again, people saying, if extraterrestrials are real, why haven't we heard from them yet? So, uh, like you said, I, I jumped on a plane, I flew out there, and I said, look, I'm, I'm going to find an expert. Because, you know, I, it's been my experience, and I'm sure you've found the same thing, because you've been, you've been doing these investigations and talking about these things forever. And when you, when you meet people, there's one answer for the public. There's the answer for academia, and then there's the answer when you go there, you talk to the archaeologist, the Egyptologist, and they tell you the real answer. So I'm thinking to myself, they're going to tell me if this Arecibo uh, observatory has actually got a signal. And they said, no, you know, there's, there's no messages coming. Uh, but as I know you and your listeners are, are well aware, uh, there was a very powerful message sent into space by uh, Carl Sagan, back in 1974, and he beamed it, you know, something like 25,000 light years across, uh, you know, uh, uh, over at a a globular star cluster called M13, and he sent binary code information about our DNA elements, the solar system, Mm -hmm. human beings, and all that stuff. And, you know, I said to them, you know, have we had a a reply? Uh, And they said they came back to me. Uh, They said, of course, no. And I said, what about there was a crop formation that I don't know if you've ever seen it. There was a crop formation that was found by that Chilbolton radio yes, telescope. Yes, yeah, that was very elaborately done. Absolutely. And so when I looked at that, you know, they're, they're very adamant that they say, well, we don't want to go near that, and they still think, you know, potentially a hoax. Some say, hey, it could be real. Uh, it was very, very interesting. So, you know, when you dig deeper for answers, uh, you know, uh, maybe we're wasting our time. You know, Michio Kaku has told us that, you know, there could be potentially all sorts of different civilizations visiting our Earth and communicating with us. He's used the Kardashev scale to talk about that. Uh, but he said the reason we haven't heard from the ETs yet is because we've only been searching about 100 light years from Earth for a signal. And our galaxy is about 100,000 light years across. Uh, he, and, of course, galaxies are tens of millions of light years apart. So, really, we've only been searching in the hydrogen frequency. Uh, and according to him, he said, then we got to start looking 
in laser and broadband. But you, you see, George, I know that you know, and the Coast listeners know, that we're getting communicated by ETs. And I think that this communication they're using is much more sophisticated than, you know, these sort of signals sure. or even breaking them up like broadband packets or communication. I think we're talking like quantum entanglement and uh, using energy like an IP address, and that's how it's happening. The, so I think it's... Sorry, go on. No, the, the, the late physicist Stephen Hawking is warning us and has warned us to be very careful about sending out signals announcing where we are. What do you think of that? You see, I don't agree with that uh, because, you know, when I look over at the, the tremendous work that, you know, whistleblowers like Sergeant Major Bob Dean, yes. uh, you know, what he's done, he's ta- he was talking about what he learned when he was at uh, SHAPE, Supreme, Headquart- Supreme Headquarters Allied Powers Europe with NATO. And I'm sure that you're aware of this also, that he said that when he had learned uh, through his top secret cosmic clearance that extraterrestrials were already here and we were getting visited by a a whole whole types, all sorts of them, that, you know, they didn't pose a threat to us and that if they wanted to wipe us out, they already could have. And so there is already military intelligence that we are getting visited by all sorts of different types of civilization, whether it's interplanetary, interstellar, multidimensional. Why do you think the cover-up continues? Because it, it shakes up academia. Uh, I mean, look at, look at this. This is the oldest story in the, in the world. It shakes up our, our, our narrative. It shapes up, shakes up our religions. I mean, look what we did to poor old Giordano Bruno when he tried to tell us. I mean, that was, uh, you know, going far, as far back as the 16th century, and he was telling us that we weren't at the center of the universe. He told us there's countless suns and countless earths all rotating around their suns. Uh, you know, it's the same reason why, you know, like our, our Robert Schock will, will shake up the, the story about Egyptology when he starts talking about the Sphinx. Uh, I think that it's, it's a, a, very, a very interesting question we all got to ask ourselves is that, you know, who are we then? Uh, And what does our society mean to us? Well, you know, lots of us believe we've already been visited. You do, too. When we look at the biblical ETs, and you've uh, you've looked at that, when they talk about fallen angels and beings like that, could we be talking about extraterrestrials that came down here at that time? Absolutely. You know, it says in the Bible... In the book of Hebrews, it's 13.2 in the Bible, it says, Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels. And I've always thought about that, that verse in the Bible. And to me, I, I think that it's entirely possible that we have mistaken our visitors as spiritual entities due to their vastly evolved capabilities and their technology. And, of course, we know that the word angel just comes from the Greek word angelos, meaning messenger. Uh, so uh, I think that what we've actually seen has been very interesting, uh, what's been taking place in our theological discussions, because I'm willing to entertain the, the very pragmatic idea that, you know, angels are good extraterrestrials and, and perhaps the old term demons, uh, which I think is a, is a vast mm-hmm. misunderstanding of the multidimensional intelligences in our universe. Uh, maybe that those are malevolent beings, uh, but uh, most certainly we have records all through the biblical texts that are, are quite 
quite interesting that make us question things. And believing in extraterrestrial life does not negate one's belief in a god, does it? Absolutely not. And I'm absolutely shocked that people, when they say that, you know, in some of the religious communities, I've had such wonderful discussions with scholars, because I'm a I'm a very big fan of comparative religion. I yes. love going into these subjects. And some have been worried that by looking at extraterrestrials that there's going to be a new type of religion that started there. But from what I'm gathering, George, uh, the ET contactees I talk to say that the ETs don't want don't want to bring people out as a messiah figure anymore. They don't want to bring people out that uh, are, are going to be professing some kind of message. That's why there's more individual contact being made and uh, you know, it's it's a very it's a very interesting way of looking at it. Every time I've interviewed uh, for Ancient Aliens on the History Channel, they always uh, talk about Vamanas, flying machines in the ancient times. What do you think they might have been? Because I'm convinced they were real, they existed. Was it something that we had of high technology with advanced ancient civilizations, or do you think they were UFOs? I am very convinced that Vimanas are real. And, you know, there's so much evidence for them. Uh, I've been gathering research for some time for not only uh, writings I've done, but for upcoming presentations. In the, Van- in the Vedantic writings of ancient India, uh, when we look in the, the Ramayana, the epic, uh, the epic tale, uh, or the Mahabharata, which has, you know, a summation of the Ramayana and the uh, Samarangana Sutradhara, and all these texts, we have the mentionings of these flying vehicles, and the amazing thing is, is that when we go back to some of these oldest writings, I mean, we're going back to, to possibly third and fourth century BCE here. Um, we are getting these incredible, uh, we're getting these incredible tales uh, that not only talk about wars fought in the heavens, mm-hmm. exuding weapons and incredible conquests. Uh, I mean, and that's only the tip of the iceberg. If we go back and in, even into Buddhism. And, and I'll tell you, George, there is, there's so much hidden in Buddhism, the, the real Mahayana Buddhism, the stuff that was taken up into D- Tibet, all the secrets there uh, that, that we find in mystical Buddhism and stuff like uh, the secrets of levitating stone with sound and esoteric meditation. They had stories of these pagodas and whatnot that the bodhisattvas were moving around. I mean, I've, I've traced this thing back, even when we go back into our uh, Sumerians and Assyrians look back into the ancient Persians uh, when we look at the story of uh, Zarathustra and he's encountering Ahura Mazda and uh, you don't have to see the you don't have to look very far to see where the connection is here if you're stuck in traffic and you see a Mazda car in front of you look at that little Mazda logo that that Mazda logo that has like the winged disc that's on the back of the car there, there's no doubt that that is the connection to Ahura Mazda from Zoroastrianism that was a, a flying disc with a man coming down from the heavens. So, I mean, these things are everywhere, even, even in the Bible, in the book of Ezekiel, the cylinders within cylinders. That's right. And, the, you know, the, the, the wheel that of Ezekiel. Yeah, well, I mean, in that story, it talks about there was a glowing metal appearance, thousands of blinking eyes on it, which are no doubt lights, on its sparkling rims, uh, and to me, that primitive description that we read there is very similar to even the story that we find uh, of our First Nations people or our indigenous people here in Canada. We have stories of flying canoes. Well, 
blinking, uh, blinking eyes or flying canoes. It's the best way they could describe a very advanced technology. Wouldn't you love to find Vimano? Absolutely. And, you know, they're, they're sort of little pieces of the puzzle that people have found. Uh, I was talking to a Egyptologist friend of mine, Mohammed Ibrahim, about, you know, the discoveries they made over in Saqqara uh, in Egypt, where we get the word sacred from. And uh, they found, of course, over there in the uh, late 19th century, there was like a little perfect sort of a glider, even with a tail wing and whatnot. It's absolutely amazing that we found kind of evidence of ancient knowledge of flying machines. But, you know, I would point uh, the best answer for this, why we haven't found one, actually came from David Hatcher Childress. He said that, you know, you could preserve gold, but, you know, it, if you had metal, metal's going to erode, you know, after about 200 years. Yeah, and, and it's gone, or they flew away. That's right. They could be in, uh, they could be in some some other place, uh, you know, gone into the heavens, and that's it. They're in another planet. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern, and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.